tonight on Teal Tinted Glasses. We are going to talk about the Barracuda. We're going to talk about some college prospects. We might even talk some sharks too. It's me. It's Lacey. It's Mark. It's Teal Tinted Glasses and it starts now. But of course, if you want to be part of the show, all you have to do is, uh, you know, Talk in the YouTube chat. Hit us up on the social medias, all of the social medias. You know where they are. I'm not going to go into it. As I said tonight, it is me. It is Kevin Lacey. It is Mark. Mark, how are you doing? Good to good to have you back on the show because uh, I haven't really talked to you on air, I don't think, since the draft, which is criminal. Yeah, <laughs> since the marathon. Yeah. That marathon draft we did. Um, I'm good. It's good to be back. Uh, how are you guys doing? I am fantastic. Kevin Lacey, how are you? I'm exhausted. There's been a lot of hockey going on already, and uh, it's been fun. Um, but uh, life is getting in the way right now, and I'm just like, ah. so. But I will try to bring the energy for you guys here tonight on Teal Tinted Glasses. Awesome. All right. So I thought before we got into like the Barracuda and some prospects and everything else, um, I thought we'd just kind of i'd get your takes because i don't think either of you have really been on um this yeah. season at all so i kind of wanted to get your takes on like kind of just the current state of the big club right now just any just any broad brush thoughts you have kevin i'll let you go first yeah you know uh i am definitely on the whole uh 30 and 52 bandwagon <laughs> so the, the 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 sharks are well along their way in fact have surpassed that so far so i am like just gleaming like monty burns on the simpsons just like excellent <laughs> um and it's not like i go actively cheering the sharks every time they lose like when i watch the games and i've watched most of them so far i'm still cheering for them to win i want them to do well i want them to win but if we lose it's okay. I'm looking big picture, everyone. I don't think that, uh, it, you know, the, uh, the the rain clouds are in or anything like that. And one of the things, eh, you know what, I'm going to let Mark uh, talk about his thoughts before I jump into my next point on the Sharks. Sure. Um, I mean, I'll echo some of your sentiment there. Like, I'm actually kind of excited, honestly. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I'm following a lot of these younger players that are coming up in the next draft and I'm just like fantasizing about them being on the Sharks. But no, I, I mean, look, I, I, again, it's actually similar to last year. Like I came into this season expecting absolutely nothing. So I'm trying my best just to enjoy watching hockey and at the same time kind of seeing trends with certain players and following specific, you know, <sighs> roster changes, the coaching staff, what I see them doing. But, I mean, I'm just enjoying watching hockey. Look, it sucks when we lose sometimes, and especially when they look as bad as they do in some of the periods that they've played. But, um, you know, I think there's also a calmness to watching a team when you have no expectations. So I'm just enjoying the hockey aspect of it, and I'm a Sharks fan, so I'm rooting for us to win. But when we lose, I'm not all, like, bummed about it, like, the rest of the night like I used to be. So Yeah. I Okay, perfect. I'm glad I cut to you on that because, like, my feeling is – for the Sharks fans who are really down on the the team, oh, you know they're they're what three eight and one or something along those lines so far. Like, would you rather have them winning now and losing in February, March, and April? Because I wouldn't. 
because that's the time when you want to see the prospects start to work their way up from the Barracuda, you know, maybe get a, a game here or there, trend in the right direction going to next season. I don't want them playing good hockey right now, to be to be frank. I want them to have the the, the stinky games, I guess you'd say, right now. And then February, March, April, those tendencies that David Quinn was teaching during the preseason about you got to be competitive, you got to play hard. If you don't play hard, you're not going to play, like Kevin LeBanc getting scratched a few games ago. Uh, you know, that work ethic will hopefully be fully instilled by the spring, and then you trend in the right direction and actually build next season. The last two seasons, the Sharks had really poor springs, and what, what did we say at the, the season end? I don't have a very good feeling about next season. Yeah. I want to have a good feeling about next season. But right now, it's November 2nd, and it's too early to 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 be thinking about that. So I'm okay with them just, you know, coasting along, picking up those regulation losses, and, uh, and staying down in the standings. Yeah, I think that's kind of my, like, my take, too. It's like, I still, like, want to see them... Like I still want, I still want to be entertained when I watch them, right? Like yeah. I understand, like obviously, and I've said this many times on After Dark too. Like, like yes, getting a good draft pick is good, and everyone wants to get a good draft pick, but that's that's in the spring. Like we have, we still have to get there. Um, yep. And obviously, you know, and some people will bring up the fact that look at like you know they could finish dead last. That doesn't guarantee them Bedard. Although I think that there's some really good players that you can pick in the top five. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I don't think getting Bedard is the be all and end all. And I really like Bedard, too. But if they, you know, if you have to if you have to settle for Fantilli, like that's not the end of the world. <laughs> right. So I, I, I still want to be like entertained along the way, I think would be the best way to say it. So, like, I still I still want to enjoy the things like like Timo Meyer's goal last night. Like you want to enjoy that. You want to enjoy the Eric Carlson hat trick um, if they happen to do all that and still lose. Fantastic. But I'm not, like, actively rooting against them. Um, yeah. I think, look, at this team isn't very good. I think that I'm not worried about where they're going to finish. I think that will sort itself out. They don't need me to actively root against them to make that happen. Like, I'm not cheering for, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not cheering for them to win because I think they're going to win a bunch of games and sneak into the playoffs. Like, I don't think that's reality. So I think you just have to enjoy the little things and try to be entertained and then, you know, we know what's waiting at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully you want, you want them to be competitive yeah. for me. It's when I say 30 and 52, I mean, 52, one goal losses. <laughs> like I want them to be in every single game. The only game that I really got frustrated was that Chicago game when they played one of their best period, first periods of the season and then dunk it up from there. That one, I was actually yelling at my TV. Yeah. about. But uh, other than that, um, you know, I'm I'm with you guys all the way. Yeah, yeah, especially in that Chicago game where they're like after that ceremony for Wilson, you kind of hope they're gonna at least like win that game. You know, yeah. there were some good vibes in the air that night, and then oh, after that first period, it was just awful, awful hockey. Yeah. Hey, but you went to a great game in New York though against the Rangers. Yeah, typically I hate the garden game like there's three games they almost always do islanders rangers devils in one trip and i usually like the islanders and the devils games because i just feel like there's less like hatred when i go to those arenas 
But the Sharks aren't even like a Rangers rival in any capacity. But there's a bunch of like junk corporate dudes usually around me who like want to start fights and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I'm just like, I go to these Rangers games and the Sharks never win at the Garden. Like, right. Almost never. They'll usually win against the Devils, maybe lose in overtime to the Islanders, and then just get stomped by the Rangers. And I'm just sitting there listening to their goal song for, like, the whole game. So it was nice, actually, to see us win that game in overtime. It was, like, the most pleasant garden experience I've had as an opposing fan. Yeah. Nice. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah. Anything else on the Sharks before we, before we kind of truck this thing along here? Eric Carlson. <laughs> Tune in to any previous episode and you'll hear me talking about the sharks need to trade brent burns let carlson take over the blue line everything like that now again it's early in the season and i hope i don't eat my words but i've been sticking with this for four years now i'm gonna stick with it now now that eric carlson can finally show that it's his blue line look at what he's doing I've been waiting for years for this, guys. So I hope it continues. Great job, EK65. I'm so happy. Fun, yeah, definitely a fun game last night. I mean, obviously, the the the, the one thing, and I, I, in the interest of fairness, I will say, like the one concern now is like, can he stay healthy? Which I think at yeah. this point, I think is a fair question to ask after um, his tenure in San Jose. And I'm hoping, obviously, I'm hoping the answer is yes. Uh, I would like to see the Sharks get some return on investment uh, out of that deal because return on investment is not something they've gotten a whole lot of of late. Yeah, it's also super yeah. early for this, but like a Norris tracking season would be pretty fun to watch if your team's not doing so well. Something like to yeah. follow like that. You know, if your defenseman is putting up the numbers that he is, what does he have, nine goals in 12 games? As a defenseman, that's insane. Yeah. And he's got more than a point per game. He's up there with like, big names on the top of the chart. So if he can do that through the whole season, it'll give something for Sharks fans at least to cheer on along the way if we are losing. Yeah, I just, see, I'm just, I'm so, maybe because I'm just like, I'm so cynical when it comes to stuff like that though, because I just think like, even if he has like a Norris worthy season, could he win on a non-playoff team that plays when a lot of the media are already in bed? I think there's so much media speculation speculation about this now that I, I don't see that happening anymore. Just period. Yeah. Like, I think there's so much information sharing and so much just overall negativity. And the media really puts themselves out there on social media as, as, as they, sh- yeah. they should. But they're also exposing themselves to... Uh, you know, like, oh, there's, yeah, but, yeah, but, mm-hmm. yeah, but, hell, even on this podcast, Eric Carlson, great start. Yeah, but can he stay healthy? Well, you know, like, I, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I, like, I just feel like it would be, like, I obviously I want him to continue playing well. I want him, like, I would really like the the Eric Carlson conversation yeah. to change because i think it's really tired at this point and i feel yeah. like anytime like he does get praised like and i like and you're right kevin i mean i just did it too so uh i i am just as guilty at that point um uh, but i just feel like you know i just no, i just want the conversation to change. valid like criticisms concerns anything like that it's just that that's the era we live in now and yeah. it, and and we stop looking, we just as a society stop looking for just the pure goodness in a lot of 
things. Yeah. And so it's like asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> and then you get to uh, Victor Hedman mm-hmm. again as the Norris Trophy winner, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. People who play at seven o'clock in the in the evening on the East Coast. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, because I don't think like not being a playoff team like shouldn't stop them. Like Adam Fox won, and the Rangers didn't did not make the playoffs that year. Am I correct? He was in the run. I thought he won. He won last two year. years ago, right? Was it two so. years ago? Yeah, last year it was McCarr. Right. Yeah, last year was McCarr. Um, year before, two oh, years yeah. ago was Fox, and that was the year. I think that was the last year Quinn was their coach. Right. So there's no playoffs. Yeah. Um, so. And that was when they just missed the playoffs. Yeah, they had the whole stuff with the Capitals at the end yeah, of the season. Yeah. So, yeah, but they were a, they were definitely a more competitive team. Definitely, I, I'd yeah. I'd be curious to see if the voters would go for a player. I don't care how good his numbers are. If they'd even go for a player who's on that bad of a team. Right. Um, I personally would think he's worthy. But then again, the argument of like, mm, let's go for somebody who pushed their team into the playoffs. is I could just see them going with that whole thing. Even if he leads defensemen in scoring by like 10, right. 15 yeah. points. Yeah, I just I I just I have a hard time just thinking where I feel like this team's going to end up. I just have a hard time. I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah. Are you guys Well, first off, you mentioned return on investment. I thought we were going to throw it to Mark and talk about Luke Cunning, but we should not uh. do that right now. <laughs> uh I want to ask you guys though, are you concerned that Tomas Hurdle's statistical struggles have continued? from the end of last season i'm a bit i'm not overly concerned but i'm a little like gritting my teeth on it like oh i'm not as concerned in the near-term sense um i'm concerned just when i think about another eight-year deal that's that's where i get concerned i'm like i don't know i just I love Hurdle. I don't want him to turn into one of those contracts we talk about where it's like, oh, this is, you know, anchoring the team. It's terrible. It's hurting us. Like, I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to think of when he's like 34. Yeah. And he's getting $8 million a year. That's where I struggle. Whereas when we signed him, I was very happy for him to stay with us just because I think he's the face of the franchise and he's a great overall player. But I think he'll get his act together this season if that's like, specifically what you're alluding to it's hard because i just think like the the quality of this forward group is so yeah right like i think a guy like um a guy who's struggled like kevin lebank kevin lebank's not a trigger guy he's a passer but if you don't have enough trigger guys then a guy like kevin lebank is gonna struggle mightily and i just you know i think that's the the issue in this forward group is you've got um You've got Timo and, and Hurdle trying to like work magic together with a rotating cast of guys. Logan Couture, I don't know what's wrong with Logan Couture. Um, that's you know, I'm definitely concerned that Logan Couture's contract is kind of slipping into that. Oh no, what have yeah. we done? Um, yeah. situation. Well, Logan Couture is with Luke Cunning, and I don't even remember who's on his left side. Yeah, I believe um, they've got him with I, like they've moved Barabanov to his line now, which kind of jump started him for a game. I thought, um, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely like I'm a little bit concerned there too. I just feel like there's so many. This team has so many guys. Yeah, like a, a player who I was really high on uh, coming in. I mean, there were two players I was high on coming in: Nico Sturm mm-hmm. working out great, mm-hmm. Oscar Lindblom. Mm-hmm. Mm. totally playing like a guy yeah 
Yeah. And that that one that one that one's hurting me pretty pretty bad because I've followed uh, Oscar Lindblom's career from when he played in Brinus in Sweden, mm-hmm. and uh, so to see him really not coming through, like I I was really bullish on him uh, getting a new new chance and an opportunity to get out of get it out of Philly off the fourth line, and he's basically playing fourth line minutes in a third line role for the sharks yeah it's just it's so frustrating yeah it's definitely uh it's 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 gonna be a frustrating season um so let's talk um let's let's talk about the barracuda uh since that's why we are here spice it back up a bit spice it back up a bit um so here's the i'm just gonna get give you some quick stats here for those that uh for those in the back um the barracuda are currently four two oh and one uh because they have overtime losses and losses and shootout losses and the the, the AHL has too many stats. Yeah. <laughs> 4201 which is good for 9 points. They're third in the uh AHL specific division. Uh their special teams have been um good or bad depending on which side of the uh special teams they are on. Their power play is kind of putrid, uh only clicking at 14.8%, which is good for 27th in the AHL as a whole and 9th in the 10-team Pacific Division. Their penalty kill is absolutely outstanding, though. Uh, 96.7%, good for first in the AHL, which is obviously good for first in their division, Um, which is probably good because the Barracuda are by far the most penalized team in the AHL. Um, Obviously, the last game against Tucson with all the misconducts obviously added to that number significantly. A hundred penalty minutes pregame. Yeah. Uh, so obviously that added to that number. Um, but there's still, I think if you watch the games though, I think penalties, their penchant for taking penalties uh, is definitely a concern with this team. Would you agree with that, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, I'm happy to see mainly that the penalty kill is at a league leading 96% because last year they were at a league leading or league worst, what, 61% or something atrocious like that, you know, and, uh, and their power play was good last year. So I think their power play is going to come around. This team is too much offense to, to not do that. But my big concern this season was now that the Barracuda have forwards, now that they have goaltending, my goodness, have they had the goaltending mm. so far. Uh, how will the defense uh, prove themselves? Because if they still can't hang, then they all have to go. And so far, they're hanging in there pretty well. And uh, with that penalty kill unit uh, leading the way there, I mean, I said I thought it wasn't just all on the defense. I thought the forwards did a horrible job back-checking last year to even help out the defense. You bring in Agatino. We talked about it with Nick on our last show. Mm -hmm. Bring in Agatino, bring in Cease, bring in Luke Johnson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not surprised about the PK at all. And uh, the penalty troubles, Jeff Vial's got to get out of the box. Patrick Seeloff surprised he's still seeing games gotta get out of the box um and then poor pat mcnally comes in and officially gets one game played with zero zero time minutes, on ice. yeah uh adam raskett is another guy out. who i really like but also has taken some really boneheaded penalties and i think that the pop the part that frustrates me i think is because anytime i feel like they get any momentum they take themselves out of games with some of these penalties. Yes. 
Um, yeah. And they got away with it uh, early on, but when they started playing like the Ontarios and the Tucsons, that didn't fly at all. Yeah, uh, and when you're mentioning Adam Raska, uh, he's he's got to watch himself mm-hmm. because he's not the best skater. He does look like he's a little bit better of a skater so far this uh, after off-season training and everything like that. His offense hasn't come through, though. He's a penalty machine. Yes, he hits with a plum, yes. but, <laughs> you know, Ozzy Weisblatt hits with a plum, too, and mm-hmm. you know he's gotta be chomping at the bit trying to get into the lineup and i don't mean wichita's lineup i mean the barracuda's lineup so adam raska really has to watch himself because this team has so many bodies yeah and as as they have the last few years but now we're talking former first round picks that can't even get into the lineup players really i'm surprised that john mccarthy has uh, given them the long leash Uh, i'm glad he has because it gives them an opportunity to kind of uh, make amends for themselves, but uh, that leash is going to get tight, I think, here soon. Yeah, the other thing I thought, too, um, I'm glad you brought up the defense, because something that I was very kind of critical of, not critical of, but really open, eye-opening, was the game, um, the first game against Tucson, or was it the first game against Tucson? I think... That was the one I was at. Was that the game that Hadika missed? That was the second. That was Saturday's. Oh, oh, the game he missed. Yes. Sorry, I thought you meant when Hadaka just completely ate it no. and got burned. No, <laughs> no, he Saturday's. missed a game, and and he missed Friday's game. Onyabuchi came right, in. and I but thought Seeloth still played, which yeah. I was shocked. But I thought like I really like Hadaka because I feel like he's the one guy who can not only make a good first pass, but he's probably one of the best skaters among the blue line. Yeah. Um, and not having him in the lineup that one game just showed how deep as a puddle this blue line is. Because I thought definitely. it really definitely. disrupted their game um, pretty significantly. Yeah. It definitely did. And, I mean, I think the Barracuda threw themselves a pity party yeah. on Friday night after they had the, the goal disallowed for reasons. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> reasons, I, I, yeah. I, 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 for for coughing on the opposing goalie when from six feet away, I don't, I don't know when he, Tucson went back the other way and scored like what forty five seconds after that, and then that was all she wrote for that game. Yeah. So yeah, you you can't be that fragile. So you you still see some of that fragility from last season uh, creeping in a bit, and it will take time. I think overall, I've I've really liked Artemi Kenyatsev's uh, turnaround yep. this year in season number two. That was one of the things I really focused in on. And so far through a month, he's been outstanding. Nick Chichek, you guys all know, I think he's a guy. Mm-hmm. He's there. Um, he's getting third pair minutes, and I think that's fine. Um, Ryan Merkley, though, I'm not seeing progression. I'm seeing he's doing fine. I'm not seeing the progression he needs, though. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Merkel because obviously when I said, like, Hadaka's the only guy that can make a good first pass and skate out of the zone, obviously not including Ryan Merkley, who can also do that. I think the thing with Ryan Merkley that concerns me is just his penchant, and I've, and I've said this before, his penchant for just skating the puck to nowhere. And then... That is- 
getting just boy oh boy that could not be more accurate like, Ian. he just kind of skates the puck to nowhere and he just doesn't make a decision and then obviously you run out of time and space and in mm-hmm. the nhl that time and space is going to get lost significantly quicker um i don't think ryan merkley's been bad but i just i feel like you want to see him really kick down the door to get on the nhl team and i like yeah i, I still like the player a lot and i still think there's an nhl player there but i'm a little concerned at this point because i feel like his sometimes his inability to just make a decision with the puck is like you you're not going to get that time in the nhl you're going to get i think with ryan merkley what i'm concerned is he doesn't he he loses the time because w- he can't figure out what he wants to do mm-hmm. And then he tries to do something fancy to get out <laughs> right. of it and just makes it that much worse. Yeah, that's the, that's the issue. If he can just make a quicker pass, a quicker decision, I think he's going to be just fine because yeah. he's got the skill. Yeah. But when he it's almost like when he has time to think, uh oh, when he as with most players, if you're just reactionary, you're probably going to be OK. Mm-hmm. Shootouts, for example. Don't think about what you're going to do. Just, Just go. go do it. Like, that's Ryan Merkley's uh, style of defense. And yeah, that's I why I say the, I don't think there's enough progression there. I think on the, I, I will say this, though. I think on the defensive side of the puck, he's been fine this year. Like, I haven't yeah. really had any issues with his quote unquote defense. Yeah. I think he's actually yeah. made improvements there. It's Absolutely. the offensive and side so of the puck of... where he's, where you would want to see him excel is where I, I have concerns because I think his defensively, I think he's been fine. Yeah, actually, I can only think of one poor defensive play that ha- I'm going to say that happened to him in the defensive zone mm-hmm. because it was a puck that flipped up over his stick. And I was like, you know, I, I, the, the crowd groaned. But I was like, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm going to give him a pass on that. Uh, other than that, yeah, he's been he's been really solid defensively and his his positioning has really improved a lot. That's yeah. where I will say there has been progression is where to place himself in the defensive zone. I've been I've been really impressed with that. Yeah. Um, One of the things, um, Lacey, you were saying about Merkley, though, is exactly kind of the reason why I've always, or at least the last few years been a bit higher on Kinyajev is just because yeah. I feel like watching Merkley, it's almost like he, I don't know, doesn't think the end result is offense or goals or assists. It's like, I want to get here in the fanciest or the coolest way possible, <laughs> and I'm going to try and skate through these two or three people. Whereas Kinyajev, I feel like he's a bit simpler and has a lot of the skills you need to create that offense, whether it's skating out or the nice pass. But he just finds a way to get the puck to the net, I find, a lot more. Whereas like I'm left thinking half the time watching Merkley, wow, that was amazing, but nothing came out of it. Whereas Kinyajev, I'm like, that was a decent play, Absolutely. and he got an assist. <laughs> That's a really astute assessment i agree a thousand percent with everything you just said about yeah. both of those players yeah yeah and and you had and like in your article mark you had um merkley i think you had merkley slightly ahead of Nyzev, uh yeah so this it, it actually i've reversed them last year i had kenyajev ahead and then this year i had merkley ahead mm-hmm. simply because of how, how much his a puck handling abilities I thought translated at the NHL level. Cause I did think he dummied people last year, even yes. in the NHL, which I was like, okay, if he can rely on his skill that much at the NHL level, I'm confident in him. Like 
being a productive player, but I'm still heavily concerned about the things both of all of us were just saying that I just don't know if he, I think he thinks himself out of offense. Yeah. Like he gets himself yeah. to the point where it's like, wow, that was awesome. But he's just not like, he's like the anti Pavelski. Pavelski would always find ways to generate offense being in the right place. Just hockey IQ. Whereas I just don't think Merkley has that, or at least has shown it at the professional level. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, look at look at his stats, guys. What did Merkley have two goals last year for this this high power offensive threat from the blue line? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously the Barracuda have uh, they have an affiliation, obviously an official affiliation with the uh, Wichita Thunder of the ECHL, which is new to the Sharks. They haven't had a ECHL affiliate since the Bulls. Am I right there, Kevin? Wow, I hadn't thought about that. No, it has to be the Allen Americans. It's got to be. Yeah, Allen. you're probably right. It's probably mm-hmm. Allen. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's been a while. Um, they kind it of has. just pawned players off on the Solar Bears last year when they could, but no official still. So obviously they've they've used their official affiliation. Um, currently, Strassman has been sent down there. Um, obviously, look at I think he's the game he played in San Jose. Um, for the Barracuda, he was fine. I don't think like. I know kind of like, oh, the Sharks, the Barracuda lost. Sorry, the Sharks lose so much that I just substitute in. You know, the Barracuda lost and Straussman went to the ECHL. Obviously, that's bad news. No, it's not. It's fine. They just need to keep him playing because obviously the AHL schedule is not as intense as the NHL schedule. Uh, And when you have two goalies that are already playing really well, it's hard to fit the third guy in. Um, Straussman, to his credit, uh, won the player of the week in the ECHL with a with two wins, a 2.00 goals against average, and a 9.51 save percentage. So good on him. Um, obviously, a little bit lesser competition down there, but that's the, exactly what you want to see from a guy who um, has given been given an opportunity to, to kind of pick up some games, uh, taking advantage of that affiliation. What did you think especially of... When, especially when, if we're talking the ECHL, mm-hmm. anything over a 905 save percentage in the ECHL is excellent. Yeah, because there's it's there's no defense there, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what was what was your um any takeaways from Strossman's only game up with the Barracuda? I loved uh like a tiger in our Discord chat had thrown it out there that night that Man had a propensity to give up the early goal when he was in college for Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was news to me. So to give up a goal on your first North American professional shot, that sucks. But it was a nice shot by Rasmus Kapari. Mm-hmm. And a man really then settled in. Man is to me, always going to have that uphill battle because he is much smaller than Aaron Dell and Etun McAniemi. Uh, but he is just as fundamentally sound and uh, has probably, I don't know, Aaron Dell's a pretty athletic goalie. So man's, man's definitely there with, with man, uh, with Dell. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I feel like I'm discrediting Mac- McAnany's athletic ability. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice to have this, this hydra of goaltending at this point. And you know, I think everything's going to be just fine with Strauss Mann. But again, it's uh, a matter of who's going to be able to step up and take the reins with more goaltending coming in. I know uh, Mark's going to talk about some some more goaltending coming in here uh, later on in our show. And, 
yeah, I mean, it, it does suck for Strauss Mann. You know, played the Olympics, played on one of the best teams in Sweden last year, and now playing in the ECHL because of the numbers game. Yeah, but I mean, he looked it, really he'll, good he'll, in camp, too. Really good in camp, absolutely. Um, and yeah. I, I I liked how he played in that first game with Barracuda. So. Yeah, especially after, like, not getting much, like, not getting any action, really, uh, and then just coming into that game. Um, I thought he did himself really well. I mean, like, goaltending as a whole i think has been a plus for the barracuda this year um i think aaron has been really good i think mackinemi has been very good and uh obviously look at they they plan on you know i i think everything in san jose right now is at least what we're being sold is everything's a meritocracy so obviously dell being the veteran guy um is the guy that they're going to go with first until somebody takes the net away from him and obviously it's harder for stress man who's obviously been assigned to the ECHL to kind of factor into that. Um, but so Mackinemi's kind of gotten a chance, but I think Mackinemi's been really good too. Like goaltending hasn't really been the issue in any of the Barracuda's three losses. No. And uh, where did I want to go with this? Oh, Aaron Dell. You also have to remember, used to be the teammate with the head coach, John McCarthy. So there's, there's also that, that relationship there too but Aaron Dell by no means whatsoever has not deserved like he he's deserved to play yeah. in the games that he's played and he's played great so he continues to deserve to get the starts that he's going to get um had no problem with Aaron Dell in, in that it just it's when you're looking long term it's like ah right I'd like to see man get another start in there you know things like that but yeah, so far, I'm, I'm okay with the goaltending deployment. Huh? Well, that's what I would ask you guys in general, is what your thoughts are in terms of Dell's purpose with the franchise. Like, is he there for, like, a mentor-type position because he's a veteran and he's a guy they know they can trust in the AHL or also call up in the event one of our NHL goalies gets hurt? Um, do you think he's someone who maybe eventually will fill in if we end up trading a goalie like what what exactly do you think the long-term plan is with him with the sharks or is he just literally here because we needed a goalie that was proven in the ahl to start the i season? think it's twofold i think because of the lack of experience that mackiniemi and stress man both have playing um ahl hockey that they didn't want goaltending to be their undoing um not to say that goaltending was the complete story over the last two seasons but it definitely was a story um, and I think they wanted to have that safety cushion because I think they want, look at if you're, if your NHL club's going to be crappy, you want your AHL club to show some promise. You need to show some sign of there's going to be progress. You just have to be patient. And some of these guys are going to come up and they're going to take the reins and everything's going to be fine. Um, the, the worst thing that could happen to the sharks this year, I think was having the Barracuda be undone by goaltending again. Uh, and then obviously that casting a dark shadow over the future of the franchise. So I think Dell is a guy who could come in and not only mentor a guy like, uh, you know, like uh, Mackiniemi and Strassman, but also be a safety blanket. Whereas because we know that he can play HL hockey and he's a very good AHL goalie. I think having him there to also instill that like i said earlier the, the meritocracy right like you have to in order to take the job you have to take it from one of these veteran guys and i think it's so it's kind of twofold and then obviously 
we all think that James Reimer's not going to be here when the season ends, and they're going to need a guy to go back up and and back up Kakokakinen. And Aaron Dell is again a guy who's can very serviceably do that, uh, or they might send someone else up to do it. But again, he's a guy that's been there, done that. He's you know he's he's a known quantity for this franchise, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yep. Well said. I think that uh, Aaron Dell. The funny thing is. If Aaron Dell keeps playing the way he's played, I don't think he's a guy who gets claimed off waivers or anything like that. But I, I think they would consider keeping him in the AHL so that they don't have to burn a uh, one of their four exemptions or whatever it is, calling him up after the deadline and bringing him back down when the Sharks inevitably don't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fascinating. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what the Barracuda look like because I think they've gotten off to a good start, but we have start to see some some holes in the armor a little bit now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I don't I think uh, that's that's I mean, that's a good place to go next is uh actually before I go there, um while we're on the topic of the ECHL, obviously Ozzy Weisblatt was sent down but didn't play, so it's kind of I'm curious to see what the plan is with Ozzy because I think he's a guy who plays a similar role to a lot of guys on the Barracuda that are veteran guys, which makes it harder to put him in the lineup. But I don't like that he's not playing at all. I'm perplexed by that. Why Weisblatt's not playing? Because I can think of two guys right now. I've mentioned Adam Raska. Mm-hmm. Again, a guy I like, but uh, Adam Raska... And Max Verano, both players who I think could you could take out of the lineup immediately and put Ozzy Weisblatt in. And I know that Max Verano was the leading scorer in the Swedish league last year. That was still the signing where I thought, I remember how he played for Belleville before he went to the Swedish Hockey League. And he was a borderline AHL player then. Mm. So, yeah, you give him the opportunity to... Say, sh- say, hey, this player progressed tremendously overseas. Let's give him another shot. But so far, he's not looking like much of anything. He's not He's not fast. He's not creating offense. He's part of the power play. Talking about uh, it being among the lowest in the league. Mm-hmm. Max Verano plays on that power play unit. So I, I would put Ozzy in because I do think that they need to get him into some games. Uh, again, being it's a first-round just... pick doesn't mean he's going to be a top-six forward, but he needs to get some games in in so that he can eventually, hopefully, be a third-line player for the Sharks. Yeah, Mark, a guy that I always like to kind of compare Ozzy to is is like a Rafi Torres. Would you think that is an apt comparison? Yeah, Um Obviously, I'm not saying that I, I, I was going to go and end people's careers, but oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think down the line his role could develop into that um, kind of that third line player who's a bit of a pest, but also has some offensive abilities. Um, he's a good skater. I, yeah, I with him, my main thing has just always been upside. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we reached a tiny bit when we drafted him. Um, I think if we had flipped a few of those picks that year, you wouldn't have gotten any uh, questions from me. 
And I, I liked kind of how he responded in that first season um, after um, COVID came back. I thought he was kind of an offensive leader, but I didn't really see much development out of him last year. Um, now, he was on a pretty mediocre, if not bad, team. But, um, yeah, I think that draft, he might end up being one of the ones that we look at as like, okay, he may carve out an NHL role, but considering he was the first rounder that we used – Again, last pick of the first round. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that, that's that's bigger. an important point, too, right? Like, because I know it's obviously, like, people, like, look at first round, like, oh, he's a first round. Yeah, but he was 31st yeah. overall. Exactly. So you, basically like, a second rounder. Yeah, basically a second <laughs> rounder. Yeah, but I could, that, I, the Torres comparison is fair. I, I at least hope that's the role he could provide in the future. If he turns into Rafi Torres, minus the injury right. causing i think that would be a blessing for the sharks that would be a yeah. that's a very useful piece in the nhl you, yeah those players like you need those rally teams yeah exactly yeah I, and that's that and that's kind of always been been my take too right like you you need those guys like he could turn into a guy i don't i just i feel i just i don't know what to do with him because i don't like the fact that he's not playing i you could send him back to Prince Albert, but I think they would probably want to trade him because they are in a rebuilding situation um, from what I've been told. So I don't like, I don't know what you do with him. Do you send him back to junior for an overage year? Do you send him to the E and actually get him in games? Like, I just, I just want to see him playing. Yeah. Cause I think not playing like that's frustrating to me. That's the worst case scenario to me. So is him not playing at all? Right, being like that, that 13th, makes no 14th forward, it makes no sense from an asset management standpoint. So I don't want to see him go back to juniors. I want to see him playing professional hockey. And I think the Sharks do too, but the Sharks and Joe will need to make a decision on this and, and, and do it pretty quickly. What would you do, Mark? I would start off with giving him those minutes, at least in the ECHL. Like, I don't know why mm. you send him down there and don't play him. Right. So I would... I would send him down there, have him at least get in a game or two, you know, get his feet going. And then, you know, if he's good enough to be playing in the AHL, play him. But, mm-hmm. I mean, look, mo- it's very rare that there's, like, NHL players that end up spending significant amount of time in the ECHL. Right. But, you know, in this situation where the Sharks brought in a bunch of veterans to boost the AHL team, and we're also with a logjam of guys coming up from juniors and other areas, like I can see there being a struggle to find that roster space. So it's kind of a different scenario than normal. So why not get him a few games? But yeah. him not playing, like you guys said, is the biggest concern because he's in that crucial age where you need minutes. Would you send and him back th- to junior? I wouldn't. No, I think okay. he's kind of served his time there. And with that, uh, I know a couple of people in the chat and definitely mm-hmm. on Twitter over the last week to week and a half talked about is this considered a demotion when Weisblatt was sent down to the ECHL? And no, I think it's, uh, and especially when you come, when you talk about Strauss Mann. And mm-hmm. no, I don't think it's a demotion. I do think it's a numbers thing. But even then, I think we need to stop considering the ECHL as a demotion because, as Mark said, the Sharks and a lot of other teams have drafted and developed and signed out of college a lot of really good quality young players like it's just it's it it's rising up it's becoming Mm -hmm. harder to make ahl rosters nhl rosters and so the echl is on the rise so i think 
given that the Sharks haven't had an ECHL affiliate for four years, I believe it was, maybe five. And and then before that, it was just the dumping ground. You know, Alex Shaneborn later, (laughs) you know, things like that. I I think we need to stop. We, We need to start training our fan base more to... Yeah, there's still some development that can be done at the ECHL because it's still a, a, a good league. Yeah, um, and I think it's, it's better than where I play. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like ECHL guys would show up at like your local pickup game and dust all of you. Um, yeah. Th- yeah, and I think that's the thing too. I think like because the ECHL obviously has a lot of negative connotations, being like kind of like you know the Wild West, like you know where the, where the fighting is. That's where you know. We go and play for Slapshot, and, right? So it kind of has that reputation as being just this no talent goon league, which I think still is apt. But I think that when you have an affiliation like this, I don't think like you should automatically just assume, oh, well, your first round pick just went to easy sell. Well, clearly he's a bust. I mean, he's only twenty, whatever, right? Like I just I feel like there's there is some mental training that we need to do to kind of, and I think. You're right. I think it's it's also on people that cover the team to kind of be like, hey, like the ECHL is still a pro league and it's not yeah. the end of the world if a guy does a couple of games. Or like, obviously, look at if Ozzy Weisblatt spends the entire year in the E, that's a problem. That's a big, but big problem. until that happens, like I, you know, if he goes there for a couple of games, like I, Strauss Mann, again, a guy who by all accounts, I think universally praised in, in camp looked good in the Barracuda game he played him being in the ECHL isn't isn't a isn't a detriment on him it's you know like he got starts he's not Zachary Emond and I hate to beat up on Zachary Emond but I think that's the perfect comparable in this situation especially when you think that Zach Emond was recalled when man was sent down right because Wichita still has a goalie under contract themselves. So that that just says like how how far down Zach Amond is on the on the depth chart. And that yeah. is one where you'd say, yeah, um there's your typical ECHL guy there. Right. But, like he's a guy who, you know, who's not going to start any AHL games unless there's injuries abound and you know, like Heaven for you know, heaven forbid, a, a guy on the Sharks goes down and they have to call somebody up, and then someone on the Barracuda gets injured. Then Zachary Iman gets to play, but like that's like the only thing where I could see the Sharks are, dressing for a game. Like the Sharks are one injury away from this being sorted out in the goaltending. It's, it's true, and we, we don't want that to happen. But you're you're not wrong. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I think. Talk- yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say. So I think yeah, we we just have to kind of change our our mindset on. Um, on the ECHL when it comes to situations like this, because I think not all ECHL players are or assignments are equal. I do want to kind of transition. This might actually transition over towards um, the prospect talk more, <laughs> the players who aren't even on the Barracuda yet. Um, but I do want to kind of get a few more names in mm-hmm. for players that I think have really thrived. And ironically, it, comes right from the uh numerical roster if you check the ahl website it just goes right in order jasper weatherby thomas bordalo andrew agatsino and tristan robbins 
they're the to me the four most noticeable players on the Barracuda so far this season. Like Weatherby is looking like a guy who's very agitated about being in the AHL. I don't think he is agitated, but he plays like someone who's very agitated about spending half the the season last season in the NHL and now is fighting for minutes in the AHL. Yeah. He's playing like a guy who doesn't, you know, is is trying to prevent that from happening in the future. I think he's been outstanding. I don't think he has any goals yet, but he's a force out there. Thomas Bordalo, you know, we'll talk about Thomas Bordalo all day, but yeah, uh, he, uh, he's been fantastic. But I think Andrew Agazino has been a great compliment for him though. Like I, it almost mm-hmm. seems like for me, the play starts with Agazino and finishes with Bordalo. And if it doesn't finish with Bordalo, it's Tristan Robbins, who's the player for me, who I was like, I want to see what he can do at the AHL level. And Tristan Robbins is just lighting up the lamp. Yeah, I've I've been really, really impressed with Tristan Robbins so far. I think Thomas Bortolo, if you, it like to me, and it seems like there's a little bit of division uh, in the fandom about this. To me, Thomas Bortolo is the guy that if someone goes down, like that is your first call up is Thomas Bortolo. Like he is the guy that I would, he I think he could be in the NHL right now and he would be fine. I think so too. Um, what have you thought about Eklund so far? Eklund's, Eklund's been okay, but I do think that the, the, the folks who, and there are folks who question William Eklund's top end upside so far have been justified with the way Eklund has played. I think Eklund has been very good, mm-hmm. but... You expect a player like him to stand out more the way Tristan Robbins has. Tristan Robbins is a water bug. He's all over the ice, and he so far is pretty much scoring from anywhere he shoots. So I think that's what we expected out of William Eklund. I think the game he has played has been fine. He's been willing to go into the dirty areas. He doesn't care if he's the smallest guy out there. Uh, I think he's been fine, but he's not productive. Producing it the way that the clip I think most of us expected. Yeah, I think there's so he's there's there's another guy that I put in that category too that are not producing at the level I thought they would. And now that the other guy is Daniel Gushkin. Knew it. Yep. Um, he's and a that's guy who Mark's I, guy. So I'm curious to hear Mark's thoughts on that because I know Mark loves Daniel Gushkin. <sighs> yeah, I mean. It's tough. So what you guys said about Robbins is kind of actually one of the things that I do like about him is that. Even at the junior ranks, mm-hmm. um, the one thing I thought that was translatable to the NHL level was his shot. Um, I thought he's a sniper since the first times I watched him in juniors. And the one thing is, like, if you've got an NHL shot and you round out your game, you're going to have an NHL career. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'd be looking for him from this from him this year. And it seems like he's doing that. Um, I did expect Gushin to be more dominant. Um he looked pretty decent in that short stint last year. Like he was definitely noticeable. He wasn't necessarily producing a lot of numbers, but at the end of the season, you watch those games, you could see him, you know, cycling with the puck in the offensive zone, going end to end a bit. And I thought he was going to be kind of a dominating force. Now, the one thing with him though is, yeah, he's absolutely my boy. (laughs) I've been following him at the junior levels and I like his game, but I definitely view him as a boomer bust player. Like he's, I could see a guy like we've talked about with Weisblatt, Robin. These guys can carve out roles, I think, in a third line. With Gushin, it's either like top six or he's not going to be in the NHL. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, his slow-ish start is kind of concerning to me. Um, I'm not jumping off his bandwagon yet, but no, no, it's definitely same. something. Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on. I think the one thing with Gushin that always concerned me about his game transitioning from junior to pro was like Gushkin likes to do a lot of things himself. And I found that like even early on in camp, like like him and Eklund would be on, you'd think that would be such a great pair, except for they're trying to do everything themselves and ignoring the fact that the other guy was on the ice. Um, I think that hasn't really been an issue for him so far. I think he's been, he's been good. He's, you know, he's used the, he's used the ice he's given. He's used his line mates um, a lot better. I think Eklund, Eklund, I, I don't have any issues with his game. Would I call him up right now? No. I think he's doing all the right things. And I feel like it's going to, like, I feel like with Eklund, the dam's going to break. And it has, like, I mean, and it's not to say Eklund hasn't done anything. He has scored a couple goals so far. Um, I, I feel like he's doing all the right things. I think a lot of criticisms of Eklund's game coming into this year, you know, not being being a little too soft, um, you know, in puck battles and stuff, I, I think that's not an issue i think he's been very um absolutely like you said kevin just tenacious on people with the puck uh really yeah. pesty <laughs> um yeah. as far as like getting into the you know getting into the battles and stuff i don't think that's been an issue i think if he keeps doing everything and like i think the thing with eckland is you just hope he doesn't get discouraged by the lack of production that maybe we were expecting especially coupled with his statistical struggles at every level last year mm -hmm. yep yeah and i think so i i just think as long as he as long as he sticks with it like i feel like as if the dam breaks then it's gonna be awesome but we said that with a few players on the sharks last year and the dam never really broke so i think that's you know that would be my concern with eckland i don't think like I'm not worried about Eklund as a picker, as a player. I still think he's the best guy. Like I think he's the best prospect ceiling wise we have. Yep. Um. So I just, I just hope he just doesn't get discouraged. I think if he keeps playing the way he is, it's gonna, it's going to work out for him. It, it can't not work out for him. So I think that's my, um, take on Eklund. Any other players that um have stood out or not stood or stood out in a bad way kevin before we uh move on and i already mentioned verano i yeah. i don't I haven't seen anything um of note there i mean gushin i think was playing with him too there uh i think you're bang on though gushin is trying to do it all himself mm -hmm. um i don't really notice him out there but when i do it when seems you like do yeah he's 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 got a lot of Jaden Hobgawak's tendencies. Mm. That bothers me because Jaden Hobgawak's was a guy who didn't use his teammates and that kept getting forced to the outside. And so far, that's what Gustian's doing. But Gustian, obviously, far younger, far younger mm -hmm. than Hobgawak's was. So is he? It, and this is kind of a blast from the past. Is he a poor man's Goldovin? The thing is, though, Goldobin still found ways to make impact, at least when he was on the Barracuda. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, it's, we, it'll be interesting. We, I mean, like I said, it's really early, uh, so I don't want to like you know be like, oh, Grishkin's a boss. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. I, I think the one other one I would say would be Scott Reedy, uh, as far as a Scott little Reedy, bit of yeah. a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, just because Scott Reedy so far hasn't quite shown that. You know, last year his bread and butter was being in front of the net and potting power play goals. And that might actually be part of uh, a, a significant part of why the Barracuda power play has struggled. Is he's the primary score there on that power play and it's just not happening he's mm. in the right spots it's just it doesn't seem like he's getting the chances but he did score on saturday and go figure he scored from the point on saturday of <laughs> right. all places so you know the i would like to see more of that because i want to see more of a rounded offensive game from scott reedy i don't want to see him only score from in front of the net because yeah. heck you could just throw anyone there in that spot so uh but i do want to see a little bit more out of reedy yeah, no. fair enough. Um, so obviously we talked about the um, the goaltending logjam uh, that we have this year, and it's only it's only going to get worse next year. Um, Mark, one of the guys that uh, will be obviously turning pro next year, I would assume, would be Magnus Krona uh, from Denver. Uh, how's his season going so far? What can you tell us about him? So his season has actually been really good. It's kind of funny. I watched uh, two Denver games this year, and they happened to be his only two horrible games. Oh, no. Um, so I watched his two games in the weekend series against UMass, and UMass pretty much stomped them on the scoreboard, not actually on the ice, but they beat them both games, combined score. I think it was 7-2. to two, And Krono was in for all but an empty netter between those two games, and he just didn't look confident at all. And... There were a lot of weird goals in those two games, weird bounces, kind of going off defenseman's legs, but he just didn't look like he was getting good visibility of the puck. He didn't look like he was tracking it right, and he just looked off. Like, you know when you see a goalie and they're shaky and there should be a save that they trap, but it bounces out and causes a rebound? That's kind of how he looked to those games. That being said, every other game, he's been amazing. So he's only given up five goals, or six goals in the other five games this year. So wow. Denver, another top team this year they were ranked number one coming in a lot of that is due to magnus corona and he's had a great college career Mm -hmm. he's another one of those big goalies i think he's like six five yeah um sound positioning he's not very aggressive like he's not the guy who's a roamer um he's if you think back to martin jones not that i want to give people nightmares but like (laughs) you think back to how everyone raved about how he's like positionally sound and that was kind of his bread and butter early on that's kind of how magnus corona is as well um so, yeah, this is his last year of college. He should be going pro next year. I think he's a prospect that Sharks fans should keep an eye on. And we all know goalies are weird, right? Like yes. He's only 22 years old. He could maybe hit his peak at 26 or 27. So it might be a little while. And Sharks are also in this weird logjam we haven't had in quite some time with goalies. Like, I'm talking like Kippersoft Toskala days last time we were like this, right? So yeah. you have all these goalies. So it's going to be a matter of finding space for him. Um but I would expect him to at least be in the ECHL next year. Um, and then depending on what happens with our goalies, possibly AHL. I mean, a lot can happen there. But yeah. he's definitely someone that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Also, Denver might be going for a um, defending championship type season. So Yeah, because here's the thing with the goaltending, right? Sorry, Kevin, I didn't mean to cut you off. But here, here's the thing with the goaltending. is It's like, so not only Magnus Corona next year. Like, Ben Gaudreau could also turn mm-hmm. pro next year. And then... You still have Mackey You still have Strassman. Like, it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. Sorry, Kevin, I did not mean to cut you off. Oh, well, in that in that vein, I could see Krona going to Sweden next year. 
just because if if the sharks retain his rights, which I, at the moment I think they would, mm-hmm. uh, they, I I could see them looking at other outlets because again, the sharks might be in this exact same situation next year. Uh, maybe Aaron Dell and James Reimer are the only goalies who depart, and they still need to find spots for everyone. So, yeah, and he's from Sweden. He played juniors there, so mm-hmm. the place he's familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Cam Lund, obviously guy who a lot of people were excited out about after the uh, rookie tournament. How's he performing so far? Um, I think he's actually performing pretty well for the fact that he's a true freshman. Uh, watched a few of the Northeastern games, and I like what I see from him with the puck. I don't necessarily love what I see from him, him away from the puck. I think he has um, obviously some growing to do, and he's one of those players that I look at kind of like this new trend in college where if you're a top two round pick or someone who's just developing at a pretty good pace from a later round, you usually do those two years in college and then make the move after that. I think he'll be a player similar to that. I think this year will be kind of a adjustment phase. He'll adjust to the game in college because it's obviously harder and more physical and bigger than what he's played previously. And then next year will be the year where you kind of hope for him to kind of take control of that team. Um, But you're seeing when you watch them a lot of what you saw even in the prospect um, scrimmages with him where he'll take the puck end to end when he's in the offensive zone he's cycling he's making moves and he's beating guys one-on-one so far he's got I think six assists four or five of which are primary assists and he's looked the part for a guy who's only eight games into his college career so um, right now he's been playing so he's been switching up between the second and the first line, but he's getting power play minutes as well, where they've actually had him um, on the point, which I found kind of interesting. So I'm interested to see kind of how he develops with that. He's definitely like the playmaker, the play creator um, on that power play when he's out there. So I think it's a good spot for him to be in, be in, and I think Northeastern's a good place for him to be developing. Yeah, I, I like I, it's a good like it's just always seems to be um, a good program. Um, the other guy we have isn't, on the list. Here, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Is not Northeastern usually part of the Beanpot tournament, too? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Northeastern, Harvard, BU and BC. Nice. OK. Yeah. Sorry. Random question I had to throw out there. <laughs> yeah. So obviously um, another guy that the um, the Sharks have currently playing college, uh, Alex Young, um, a 2027th round pick. Uh, playing for Colgate, how is uh, how's he faring for a seventh round pick? Decent. Um, fans may remember like this highlight reel goal he had a couple years ago that made its way around the internet. Um, I'm not sure necessarily how much I would be looking into his future, but mm-hmm. in the role he's in, he's playing pretty well. Um, Colgate's not like a top end program, right. but they have a competitive team, and he's put up some points. He had decent numbers last year, and Generally, when I watch him, I just like he's got a good all around game. He plays smart off and with the and on the puck. He's physical, not like he's like a bruiser or anything that he plays like a rough, edgy game. Um, And I really like his shot. Like I've noticed they keep him on the power play kind of in that OV territory where it's like right above the circle. And he scored multiple goals there, just like rifling shots and then creeping in, getting close to the net. So I think he's got some good hockey IQ and he's got some raw abilities, maybe develops into a pro, but I like what I've seen from definitely at the college level. And how many, like how long would he have Dell? He would turn pro. Do you think? I think he'd probably stay the full four years. Yeah. So um, he's a ways away, but um, I think 
of the guys we're talking about, Lund, I think, will be a two-year guy. Obviously, we know Corona's towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. And then Young, I'd say, will probably stay the full four years and then jump to pro at the AHL level, I'd guess. Cool. Uh, that is I was stuff. really... Alex Young is one of those players who I remember we did our draft show that year. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it was... I think it was Mark's first show. Now that I think about it, and uh, we we're like, "Yeah, Alex Young got drafted." I mean, you know, he's 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 there. We don't know what we were gonna get out of him, but like, something felt right with that one. Like this, this I don't. I think it'd be a poor comparison with like Joe Pavelski, Tori Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna be that good. You know, that type of NHLer. But seeing him in the prospect camps that he's participated in. The very first thing I think of is what a lethal shot. Mm-hmm. And he's got a fierceness to his game. He's not the biggest player, like Mark said, mm-hmm. but he he'll he'll go in there. Like what we're talking about with Eklund. He he doesn't care. Yeah. He'll still go do what he has to do. Um I could see Alex Young being uh you know, starting out his pro career as like a middle line player on the Barracuda and then, you know, being a seventh round pick, who knows? But I don't think we should write him off. I just, there's something there. Yeah, he's got a lot of heart, and that that goes a long way. Like you were saying, the Pavelski comparison, maybe not as much um, productivity or abilities as Pavelski, but I I see a lot of that, like, he just makes things happen. Yeah. Yeah. You can't put your, he's got an intangible. Mm -hmm. There's something about him that it just, I think about him among the Sharks' prospects from time to time. So, yeah. and I think, and again, like seventh seventh rounders are found money. Like if they if oh, they yeah. turn out, this it's just found money, right? Like so, um, if you get NHL games from them, that's, that's already a win, right? Right. Yeah, I completely agree. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, I think going forward, I think the Barracuda's next game is Sunday against the Calgary Wranglers. Yeah, the 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 ultra rare Sunday Tuesday back to back that almost never happens in the AHL. But the Barracuda are up in Calgary here at the end of this week, and so they basically get almost a full week off, and then Sunday Tuesday, and then they return home for uh, the 10th, 12th, and 13th. Who check the AHL website sjbarracuda.com for opponents I there. Ontario. I don't have that one off the top. Yeah, Ontario's Ontario, I do believe, is in there. Which is, yeah. uh, Ontario uh, definitely um, looks like they are going to be uh, a force in that Pacific division. That Ontario was my pick to win the division this season. Sorry, Barracuda fans, but they were my pick to win the division this year. Yeah, I think, so, I think they're going to be I think the Barracuda are. I think the Barracuda are doing very well where they're at. Uh, you know, 4-2-1, and one, uh, obviously that's... When you're looking from a wins losses standpoint, that's only one more win than loss. But sitting in third in the division, I picked them to be right around fifth, sixth. So I'm happy with how they played so far. They just they got to get back on the winning track after the back to back loss. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a thing that they uh, need to do. Um, anything else you guys want to hit before we uh, send everyone home happy? I hope. The, the uh controversy around Tech CU Arena. Oh, what's what's what I spill it. So as you probably have listened on the AHL TV feed when it's working, 
And it's not a Barracuda thing, folks. AHL TV on the whole, for some reason, keeps having outages. And I don't know what's up with that. But it's not a Barracuda thing. Uh, what is a Barracuda thing is the fans' frustration over the goal song change that incurred this season. There had been discussion since the end of last season about a goal song change. And then the preseason happened, no change whatsoever. Same horn, same song. And then all of a sudden, opening night, they started using the Sharks goal horn, a recording of it that could be improved, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think it sounded at least a little bit more realistic. But, But the goal song right now does not engage the fans whatsoever. And that's been a a big problem. And I think the next time the Barracuda come home, there might be a change in order. I don't know what direction they're going. Um, the, The team is listening. And, but I do know that I've been to all but one home game so far. And, uh, been a big buzz about that goal song and how, it's it's something. <laughs> how's it been though? Like, how's the atmosphere been uh, in the new arena? Atmosphere has been good. Obviously, opening night being, I don't know. If, I never got the actual statistic on uh, attendance for opening night, but I I'm sold that it was a sellout because between the number of fans who were standing and walking around, combined with the the seats that were empty, I think they sold that building out. Since then, though. It's been a disappointment as in terms of turnout yeah. goes, but in terms of the atmosphere, that buzz is still alive. Um, I'm I'm loving being there. The arena is great. Uh, they're just going to continue to add to it. Um, but I think I think there's a lot going on too. Like I feel like um, there has been a lot going. I on. I feel like as as you in get general. into like deeper into the season, I think turnout might tick up a little bit. Like right now, you have baseball playoffs. Yeah. And, um, and what what hurt on Saturday with Hoptoberfest? I couldn't. That was the game I couldn't make. Was the Hoptoberfest mm. game the game that I really wanted to go to? Uh, but I had other plans. But they the Barracuda were fighting with another event going on at uh, the Ice Center there, competing with San Jose State, having both their homecoming game and the Memorial game for the player who 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 died the previous week last week. So uh, there was just a lot of activity going around there mm-hmm. that uh, I, it, I think some fans were they, – they made other decisions other than going to the game because there was just a, too much happening ah. in that area. Yeah, um, and so, uh, AJ in the chat saying that uh, Texie was announced as a shout-out, uh, sell-out, shout-out, sell-out for the uh, perfect, first game. So perfect. I believe it. I believe it. So, again, I, I've said it year after year. The fans are there. The the Sharks and the Barracuda just need to find a way of tapping into that fandom and bringing fans out to the building. So I do. I agree with you, Ian. I think that there will be an uptick in, in uh, people in I, the I building. I think as, as but... other sports die down, I think you will see an uptick in attendance. Like, obviously, with Definitely. with baseball playoffs, obviously, football's in full swing. And let's be honest, football is king in the Bay Area. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... And And... Yeah, yeah, it's still a fun time. If you haven't been out to the games yet, please come out on on uh, November 10th. Or if not the 10th, come out on the 12th. Yeah. Or the 13th. Or, or all three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, that'll be it for us tonight. Uh, I do appreciate everyone uh, coming in. We will definitely... Um, I'm going to try and get this 
scheduled a little more regularly. Um, my work schedule is just kind of funny. And then like with the, the one thing with obviously doing the Barracuda and the Sharks at the same time is sometimes you end up in a situation like last week where there was like just a game every night. And it's like, where am I going to do a show in here? Um, but we will uh, definitely try to be more regular. Um, obviously, I think at some point we'll have to get Nick back on and uh, for so him to give us his takes on what's going on. Um, but obviously, I appreciate Mark being here. Um, I hope you enjoyed yourself, Mark, on your very oh, first TTG. Absolutely. <laughs> Good conversation. Awesome. Um, and uh, Kevin, any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Uh, a couple things. Okay. Found out yesterday... Eric Landy is now working in the building right next to mine in downtown San Jose. So that's kind of funny. So I saw him in the lobby right after we both got drenched by that downpour. We did need the rain, though. So anyway, hi, Eric. Um, in the chat, we got a question mm -hmm. here. What's been the cost difference between going to the Barracuda and uh, at SAP versus TechCU? Pretty minimal. It is up uh, a couple bucks. I paid... For my seats, because I just sat general admission last season, so I paid ten bucks a game there. And at TechCU, as a season ticket holder, I pay like twelve forty or something. So, literally a couple bucks more. Um, but yeah, come on out. I, you know, it, it, it. You know, the higher price you pay for a ticket, the better seat you're gonna get. But it's just, just get out there. You'll, you'll see. You'll have a great time. Awesome. Any final thoughts, Mark? Um, I uh, wish I was able to come out to some of those games. Because if anything, I was going to fly out to San Jose. It'd probably be more to watch the AHL team right now because of all the <laughs> yeah, prospects yeah. there. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, fans should definitely check it out because it's a brand new arena. And you probably get a little bit more of a vibe being that it's a smaller barn um, now. So yeah, I wish I could go to a few of those games. But maybe I'll look at a spring trip. Hey. Awesome. Uh, my final thoughts are obviously I appreciate everyone being here with us. Um, and like I said, I will uh, try to get this scheduled a little more frequently than we've done it so far. But again, appreciate everyone being here. And obviously, if you want to follow us along and do all the cool YouTube stuff, you know, hit the like, hit the like button, subscribe, bring the bell, leave us a comment, um, leave us a comment helps us all those things help us in the algorithm, which helps when people are looking for sharks related content it helps us uh show up when they are looking so please do all those things you can follow me at ian blogs hockey on the twitter machine uh you can follow mark mark what is your twitter i took your name off the screen and i can't see you that's right there we go um and at kevin lacy 22 uh at marky mark uh sjs if i don't know if you can hear him right now um but yeah other than that though we appreciate you guys coming along and hope that you will uh continue hanging out with us obviously after dark happens after every san jose shark game uh you can watch after dark uh and on sunday night at this time seven o'clock you can watch the pucknologists so please do all those things thank you and good night